And welcome to the Hoosier Pigskin Podcast. Well, Saturday we got an entertaining game anyway. I'll tell you about how I actually watched it at a wedding reception. We'll upset the apple cart and we'll preview the Iowa game. So, if you didn't hear, IU loses to Ohio State on Saturday, 49-26. And a funny thing about this was I thought I was going to miss the game because we were going to be at my wife's cousin's wedding reception but they actually had the game on in the corner bar uh, where we were getting drinks at. And so I actually got to watch most of the game at a wedding reception. So that was kind of cool. So this game was very similar to what we thought it would be. IU was right there going into the, the fourth quarter. They hung around. They were able to get a little bit of pressure on Dwayne Haskins, get a few interceptions on him through those first two quarters. And in the third quarter, they really matched up pretty good. It was each team scored one touchdown. And, but when you got into the fourth quarter, then Ohio State just pulled away. They outscored Indiana 14 to zero in the fourth quarter. And that was the game. So definitely some missed opportunities here for IU. But ultimately, I think IU just doesn't quite have the depth to compete for a full four quarters with Ohio State. They're just not quite on that level that their first string against Ohio State's first string, obviously it was very close, a very entertaining, fun game, but eventually the depth of Ohio State just overcame IU's lack of depth in certain areas, and Ohio State pulls off the win. So in the first half, it was 21-17, and Indiana had the ball. Ohio State was up 21-17, um, and... Indiana, Ramsey threw a pass, the receiver fumbled the ball, and Ohio State goes down and scores to make it 28-20 at halftime. And from my vantage point across the reception hall, it appeared to me that the ground forced the fumble. I thought it was a bad call. They did review it, but I'm wondering, I could not tell from my vantage point if they had called it a fumble and so they just couldn't overturn it with the evidence they had. It looked to me like it was a ground force fumble, so I didn't really agree with the call, and that was definitely a momentous part of the game. If IU keeps that football, it's at minimum 21-20 going into the halftime because IU was able to get a field goal after that. And it's possibly even something like a 23-21 IU lead, or if they did score a touchdown, even a 24-21 IU lead at the half. So that was definitely a missed opportunity for the Hoosiers on that fumble. A call also, I mean, just the fact that he fumbled the ball was bad too. But So there was a play that kind of went against IU in the first half. In the second half, they missed a two-point conversion on the touchdown they scored in the third quarter. And they also missed a field goal. So that right there, they left five points on the board. If they would have gotten that two-point conversion and hit that field goal, they're within three points at the point of hitting that field goal late in the third quarter, I think that was. So if you go back to the fumble in the first half, IU could probably have been up by five at the end of the third quarter. Instead, they were down nine. And so just a few things here and there, you know, just a couple points here and there when you are up against an Ohio State, number three in the country, 
It's just you're not going to win the game making those kind of mistakes, and IU wasn't able to make those little plays here and there through the game. So even though the battle of attrition kind of showed up in the fourth quarter, there were definitely some points left on the field in the first three quarters that really had a big impact in this game as well. So some positives to take away from the game. Peyton Ramsey, 26 of 49 passing, 322 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. A great game for him, I thought, playing in the horseshoe in Columbus on the road. Most hostile environment for the team so far, and he really put up a good game. Didn't have the completion percentage that he normally does, but to throw for 322 yards, three touchdowns, and most definitely zero interceptions is a good positive thing for IU. I like the game plan that they brought in for him, though. They, I thought they were really challenging the secondary of Ohio State and Ramsey really throwing the ball downfield more than we have seen this year. Maybe that was just me, but I thought they really put that ball downfield and Ramsey did an excellent job putting the ball where only his receivers could get them. There were some balls that were just out of their reach that were not completed. And that was part of the uh, lower completion percentage. But he put them where only his receivers had a chance. And obviously no interceptions against the talented secondary of Ohio State is big. So Westbrook and Sean Harris both with big days for um 109 yards and a touchdown for Westbrook. Jay Sean had 104 yards. Peyton Hendershot, the big freshman tight end, a 32-yard touchdown catch. So I really liked how they were throwing the ball downfield. Obviously, a 32-yard touchdown to Hendershot. And that was not a catch and run either, I don't believe. It was pretty much close to a 32-yard pass. So I really liked what I saw schematically in the passing game. And would have liked to see a few more balls completed. But again, you're playing Ohio State on the road. I thought Peyton Ramsey did a pretty good job. The running game, there wasn't a lot there. 84 yards total on the ground. But you were trailing most of the game. Early in the uh, game, it's 14-3 to Ohio State up. And IU scored two quick touchdowns to take a quick lead later on. But... You're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They were forcing the ball downfield, and it really worked well. It was a good game plan. So even though the yards is down, only 84 yards rushing, Stevie Scott led the way. He had nine carries, 64 yards. He averaged 7.1 yards per carry. So they were very successful when they ran the ball. It was just not a game that really was conducive for running the ball. When you're behind, which they were most of the game, they had a brief 17-14 lead. That was their only lead of the game. So you're going to be throwing that ball down the field, and it worked, and it was working. So there really wasn't any reason to try to run the ball a whole lot. So uh, three sacks, six tackles for loss. The offensive line gave up. They did okay in this game, obviously. Stevie Scott was seven yards per carry. is pretty good. They gave up the three sacks, six tackles for loss, and... But against Ohio State on the road, I don't think that's too bad at all. So I think the offensive line can, you know, did okay in this game. I wouldn't say they were tremendous. I wouldn't say they were terrible. I thought they did a pretty good job, though. I would give them a give them more positive than negative in this game. 
and they were obviously a big reason Ramsey was able to throw the ball downfield and not throw any interceptions. On the defensive side of the ball, not a lot of positives here. I thought they did rally to the ball very well. They would, um, in the running game and in the passing game, if they would hand it off, the, the IU defenders were right there ready to tackle. The problem was, I thought, in the passing game, they would get the ball. Ohio State would throw the ball downfield, and the wide receiver would be open. He'd catch it, and there'd be immediately three or four Indiana defenders there to tackle him, but he already had the ball 10, 15 yards down the field. So it was kind of like, as soon as they got the ball 10 yards down the field, then IU was there to tackle him, but they were not doing a good job of keeping the ball from being thrown 10 yards down the field or 15 yards down the field. Ohio State was getting the ball downfield with ease, so they didn't have a lot of big plays throwing the ball downfield. They did have a few. Several of Ohio State's big plays were actually where they would do some kind of a wheel around and bring a guy out of the backfield. It happened twice. A 71-yard touchdown score to start the second half where a guy wheeled out of the backfield or the short, uh, maybe the slot, and was just wide open and just gone. And it wasn't really a throw downfield for a big play. It was it was more he came out of the backfield and then ran it for a long, long gains. So Haskins averaged 10.3 yards per pass, so that's obviously a first down every time he threw the ball pretty much. So that's not good at all. And so, yeah, Indiana just got one sack and just three tackles for loss against Ohio State. They did, however, get two interceptions. So that was a positive, but that's something they've been doing all year is turning turning over their opponents pretty well. But Haskins was still 33 of 44 for 455 yards. That is not good enough for the passing defense. So there's still a lot to be desired in the passing defense side of the ball. They did hold them to 154 yards rushing on 48 attempts. That's just 3.2 yards per carry. So the run defense was actually pretty pretty impressive in this game. Um, Ohio State has two running backs that are both very talented and can put up yards. And so as bad as they were on the passing defense in this game, I thought their run defense was very commendable. So overall... It was an entertaining game, I think, or hope the Hoosiers learned some things and grew up. I thought I thought they did. I really think that they played with a lot of heart and energy, that they played well under the circumstances. This was their first real hostile environment they faced this year at FIU and at Rutgers. Definitely not the most scary places to play. So... I think this is definitely a win they can build off of. There were some rough numbers coming out of here. Just 3 of 14 on third downs. Just 1 of 3 on fourth down conversions. And they had 2 fumbles. So some some ugly numbers there. But again, you're playing the number 3 team in the country. So I think this is definitely a loss IU can build on moving forward. There's... There's two kinds of losses, in my opinion. A debilitating loss that just it's just awful. It just it stinks. You're not sure which way is up. And then there's a constructive loss when you play a team that's number three in the country 
and you feel like you can take some good positives out of it. I think I you can learn things where they are weak and also see things that they're strong in and improve moving into the Iowa game this coming Saturday. So one of the maybe most positive things out of this game, it came out later in the evening after the game that Indiana flipped a four-star recruit, Samson James, from Ohio State to Indiana. I guess he had verbally committed, I'm guessing, to Ohio State. He's a four-star running back out of Indiana, actually. And after the Ohio State game, he decommitted from Ohio State and committed to Indiana. So that was really good to see. Um, I can't imagine, you know, this kid was actually at Ohio State for an unofficial visit, watched the game, and then after the game said he wants to go to Indiana instead. So tremendous recruiting win for Coach Allen. And it's talked a lot about IU basketball. You know, Tom Crean was fired because he didn't recruit the state of Indiana very well. And they brought in Archie, and he's done an exceptional job recruiting the state of Indiana. But people don't really talk about how well Tom Allen is recruiting the state of Indiana. Reese Taylor was Mr. Football in Indiana last year, and now to flip this four-star running back, they said he's the number ninth running back in the country, picking Indiana over Ohio State out of the state of Indiana. So definitely Archie gets a lot of attention and credit for recruiting Indiana as he should, but Tom Allen, I think, is doing a phenomenal job on the football side as well. Well, let's take a look at the Iowa game. IU's coming into this game 4-2, and two, and Iowa is 4-1. and one. Iowa has wins at home versus Northern Illinois, 33-7. to They beat Iowa State, 13-3. They beat Northern Iowa, 38-14. They lost at home to Wisconsin, 17-28. And then they beat Minnesota on the road up in Minnesota, 48-31. So they were looking pretty good defensively through those first three games until they hit Big Ten play, and then they have given up a few more points. But they, the only team they have beat with a winning record is Minnesota, and Minnesota is 3-2. and two. So not the strongest schedule ever. One thing that should be noticed, noted, their first four games were all at home. Minnesota was their first road game, then they were on a bye this last week, and now they're coming on the road to Indiana. So this team is a team that loves to run the ball. They average 40 attempts per game. But they also have a very good QB. The offensive line is a strength of this team. Just five sacks that they've given up all year. And it does appear they are even better in pass protection than running. But they are still very good at run blocking for their running backs. So this is a great offensive line. Um, a quarterback and a and running backs, very balanced offensive attack. They've got three running backs that are all very good. They've got number 21, Ivory Kelly Martin. He has 50 carries for 181 yards and a touchdown. They've got number 10, McKee Sargent. Hopefully I'm saying that right. He's got 53 attempts 
184 yards and four touchdowns. And then they've got number 28, Torin Young. He's got 54 carries for 286 yards and two touchdowns. They have a couple other guys they'll stick in there, including some wide receivers. So each of those guys, though, just a few carries a game. I'm guessing maybe they run some end-around plays, similar to what IU has done in the past. So that'll be something to watch for in this game. But definitely a team that likes to run the ball, and they are also very good at running the ball. Their QB is not too shabby either, though. He's 6'4", 242 pounds. He is number four, Nate Stanley. He's completing 62% of his passes. He's thrown for 1,153 yards and nine touchdowns on the season. He is not a dual threat quarterback, though. He's more of your standard pocket passing. He's a big dude, though, 6'4", 242, as we said. But he has a cannon arm, so he's not not a dual threat QB, but he has a cannon arm. He does have four interceptions on the year through five games, so I guess that's not terrible, but he is a little bit prone to those interceptions. IU was able to pick Dwayne Haskins off on Saturday twice, and he only had two interceptions coming into that game, so maybe IU can continue that success against Stanley on Saturday versus Iowa. Their wide receiver core They've got number 84, Nick Easley. He's a senior. He's only 5'11", though. He's got 18 catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns. But they've got two big tight ends that they love to throw the ball to. Number 87, Noah Fant. He's 6'5", 241. He's a junior. He's got 19 catches for 196 yards and five touchdowns. And then they've got TJ Hawkson. 6'5", 250 pounds, a tight end. He's a sophomore. He's got 18 catches, 287 yards, and one touchdown. So they really like to throw the ball downfield to these big tight ends. They are talented pass catchers, and they can be matchup problems for anyone. So IU is definitely going to have their hands full going after these guys. They've got a couple other wide receivers that they'll throw the ball to. They are used a little bit less. They're actually their one wide receiver who plays a decent amount but is probably has the fewest catches of them all is their biggest wide receiver. He's 6'3", 219, Brandon Smith, but he only has 10 catches for a little over 100 yards on the season. So on the defensive side of the ball, they've been pretty good. They gave up 24 points combined through their first three games. However, they gave up 28 points to Wisconsin since then and 31 to Minnesota. However, Wisconsin is averaging 34 points a game, so to only give up 28 to Wisconsin, that's not a bad deal completely. And so they are definitely a pretty pretty solid defensive team. When you look at this Iowa team, they really are very balanced and very capable in so many aspects. They're just not quite at that ranked level yet, I guess, is what people would say, although they did come close to beating Wisconsin. So this is a very good Iowa team that can be very scary. From what I've heard, though, their linebacking core is their weakness on defense, and they are working to try to shore that up. They 
actually benched a starter at the second half in one of their recent games, put in another guy, and Coach Ferentz said that they may be working those guys back and forth, splitting time with them. So they're trying to figure some things out at linebacker there. I guess Wisconsin really had some good success against them using play action, and I'm assuming probably what happened, I didn't see the game, but they were probably freezing those linebackers with some excellent play action and then getting some success on offense, throwing, passing the ball. And so I think that might be a strategy for IU to look at is obviously they have great capability of running play action with Ramsey and Stevie Scott and then talented wide receivers. They have the run pass option and so many different things IU can do offensively there that maybe maybe if they can get those linebackers on their heels, they can really have some good success against them. So this team is very solid against the run, however. They have just two games all year that they've allowed more than 100 yards rushing. It was like 101 yards they gave up to Northern Illinois to open the season, and then they gave up oh, about 200 yards to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin obviously has a Heisman Trophy candidate running back, so that's obviously... Nothing to be ashamed of there. So running the ball for IU is going to be tough. The defensive line on this team is very good, very talented, and IU is going to have their hands full along the line. It's Stevie Scott, the other running backs, finding running lanes in there. But I do think that they will uh, try and hopefully be able to get a little success in there Maybe similar to what Wisconsin did. So, let's take a look at what we think IU needs to do to win. I think number one is limit the big plays downfield in the passing game to their big tight ends. I don't know how you do that. There's two of them, so it's not like you can just double team one of them. There's two of them. They're both equally talented at catching the ball downfield. And so if IU wants to win this game, they're going to have to limit the big plays downfield to these big tight ends. Number two, I think, is kind of what you got, what we just said in number one, just for IU to do that. Stretch the field, throw the ball deep, similar to what you did to Ohio, to Ohio State. Get the ball downfield to these big, talented receivers like Hendershot and Westbrook and Harris, and hopefully maybe some of these other guys like Timmy will be back. I'm not sure on that status. But let's throw the ball downfield and keep the ball moving, and I think IU can have great success on offense doing that. Number three, I do think is special teams. We haven't talked a lot about this in our keys to the game, but winning those special teams battles, IU obviously missed a field goal on Saturday. They missed a two-point conversion, and so... That was points left on the board for the Hoosiers, and they've got to be able to capitalize each and every time. This is an excellent Iowa team, and you cannot leave points on the board like you did against Ohio State if you want to win this game. And fourthly, win the turnover battle. Now, I keep saying that each week. IU has won the turnover battle in both of their losses to Michigan State and Ohio State. And they still lost, but those were more talented, obviously ranked teams. So I think it still applies. I think that it may be you need to be plus two or even three, but you've got to do that. The The key here is is more like not losing the turnover battle. 
IU has won the turnover battle and lost, but if you lose the turnover battle, you are going to lose pretty much. So winning the turnover battle is crucial. That's why it's fourth on the list. So that's big. This is a huge game for the Hoosiers. Obviously, it's homecoming, so it's always nice to win on homecoming. But this is a chance for the Hoosiers to get to 5-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the Big Ten. And I didn't look it up, but I do... It's been a long, long time, I guarantee you, since the Hoosiers were 5-2 and two overall and 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. This is a momentum, a momentum, uh, how would you even say? It's, this, this is a game that can build momentum for the Hoosiers going forward. If you win this game, you have tremendous potential for an eight-win season. You're you're going to be five and two, and you've still got games at home versus Maryland and Purdue on the road at Minnesota, and so you've got that great potential for an eight win season. It has been years and years and years since IU has won an eight win season, so it's a huge game in that respect. If you lose this game, you're looking at six, maybe seven wins, and while that is still decent for IU, this I think is a team that we're looking for to make the next step. Obviously, we're coming off of they had two years where they went 6 and 6, last year disappointing 5 and 7, and we're looking, okay, are they going to make the next step? And this is a next step making potential win. If IU wins this game, I think they are making that next step to reach a new level. If they lose, then there's going to be talk and thoughts and doubts about, well, maybe they're not quite there yet. So I think this is a momentous game for IU to show have they arrived at that step where they're going to be making it to a higher, to a next level. So that's what we've got for you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and share us on Twitter, Facebook, Whatever social media platform you like the best, we're on a lot of different platforms. We're on Google Podcast, Anchor Podcast, Stitcher Podcast, Pocket Cast, a lot of places where you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, and giving us good feedback. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all again next week.